You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. Welcome, everyone, to episode 23, the Michael Jordan of the MXU podcast. <laughs> I'm here, as always, with my starting center, 6-6 from Oslo, Norway, Andrew Stone. I Are there sports references already right off the top? Plenty, yes. Yeah. Wow. And small forward from Buffalo, New York. Jeff, the whiskey tank Sandstrom. <laughs> That's funny. That That's good. Uh, I can't believe great. it's episode twenty-three, guys. Seriously, I mean, this is this is really, it's been quite a ride. But you know, speaking of Jordan and twenty-three, we were just in Chicago, so that is very appropriate that we would honor that is uh, MJ, his greatness. Uh, coming out of our time with MXU Live at Philo, which was a great day. It so, was great. So MJ, that's or Michael Jackson, right? And then I don't get how 23 uh, ties into him. He did 23 albums before he oh, got it. touched children. See, I'm with you guys. It's good before. Wow. <laughs> I'm just getting kind of. Alleged. He, he oh did. It was, sorry, sorry. It was one album. and i'm the whiskey tank are you serious (laughs) we're gonna have to we gotta edit that that's ridiculous really so good (laughs) this is so good please come over to the dark side this is fine Lee, from now on, I'm not going to listen to you ever again. Tell me about the things I say during our live <clears throat> events. It's okay, it's not well, going to happen. It's all good. Anyway, Chicago was great. Very, very good. That was our largest yeah, still uh, event shaking to his date. head like we're supposed to start <laughs> over. Like We've when have we ever Jeff. cared about what we say, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, he's like curled over in the fetal position. I'm in out. His hotel room. I'm out. Anyway, Chicago, Chicago was great. Ton of people there. Robert Scoville. Yeah, we did some live we uh, taping. A, we threw, yeah, we threw some crap yeah. on the live stream. That was cool. Oh yeah, we streamed. Yeah, I forgot about that. We had so when we got we, all said and done, we had it. You know, it's all squirrely when you try to figure out how many exact views you got and all that. But we got everything kind of figured out. It looks like we had almost twelve hundred viewers in. Uh, for that what hour and a half or two hours we threw on there that was pretty cool and that's like that's like a real 1200 not like an assembly of god church counting their people right hundred yeah that's not a pastor speaking that's just a dude that's really right? good <laughs> yeah and we had 350 people keep, in the room which was great yeah. as well because they were there all day and got to hear you know some great tracks and some really good insights and we you know ask each other some great questions. And the thing that I love about it is it's a day for the three of us to honestly learn from each other and to really try to get better. And that's what this is all about is how can we, you know, continue to strive to get better. And as long as I keep getting to do that with you guys, I think it's going to be important for us to keep doing this. And so that, that to me is the bottom line. And I feel like, you know, it was another great win because of that. So, 
in, in on that same thought, real quick here, Jeff. I earlier this week, uh, let's see, I was mixing down some Christmas tracks. Um, we took a bunch of live Christmas tracks, and they're going to put them out on a record or something. So I was mixing down some of the stuff and get making uh, stems from my live mixes mm-hmm. that were already processed. So instead of you know redoing it all. And I want to give you a compliment, Jeff. Are you ready? I don't know. It's going to be good. This might yeah. be scary. Somebody record this. Yeah. Record this. Because this is one of the only times it's going to happen. So I'm messing around with keyboard stuff. And a lot of the keyboard stuff we, we get these days, it's not like the old days where like it's just a crappy M1 or even a, a junky Nord or something. Like They're really dialed in sounds off computers mm-hmm. and main stage and Reason and all that. You mean it wasn't like the patch off the song Abacab? <laughs> well, that would be awesome. <laughs> now, I'm just trying to impress you right now. That's what I'm really doing. I love that you said that. Is Abacab, did you bring up that song because it's like the first one on your playlist and it just defaults to that if you turn your like iPod on? Uh, it's third. Okay, got it. <laughs> so the first one is a 10-minute track of silence that I bought called A-A-A-A-A-A, very good song. The second one is, I think it's an Arctic Monkey song or something stupid. Yeah, you should the delete that one, crap and get to the good stuff on track three. The, the next one is a song off Slumdog Millionaire. So it's the fourth is Abacab. Good. And it kind of rocks you, doesn't it? My seven-year-old daughter loves it. She's Let like, me, play the song with the keyboard. I want to tell you something. Abacab, Toms, No Bottom Heads, Black Dots. Hmm? Yeah, just I didn't just even soak, notice the toms. Just soak that in. Okay, back to the keyboard thing, and we're almost getting off track here because I was about to give Jeff a compliment. I haven't He's received my compliment yet. <laughs> yes, that's right. I'm trying to comp block you. So I'm uh, I'm uh, mix, trying to get this stuff together, and I remember something. And this is going to sound so basic. It's like the day I figured out what a gate does. I mean, it was like two months ago, and I finally yeah, figured it out. Uh, it's going to feel very basic to you guys, so be prepared. You know how slow my brain is. I'm dealing with keyboard sounds. I'm just like, man, they just suck. And it's so crazy because these are like really great sounds and all that. And I don't want to go way too crazy because I'm trying to just – these are live tracks that have already been done. I've already got audience mics, so I can't you know, do a ton I'm kind of at the limit on all my CPU usage on waves. So I'm like, I can't just throw vitamin on all this stuff. So what am I going to do here? And I remember watching Jeff when we were doing one of our taping, one of our shows uh, or one of our video shoots, we were talking about just keyboards or something. And you just like, it was no big thing. You went over and you added compression to a keyboard sound. And it was just a regular old crappy keyboard sound. You didn't EQ it. You didn't do anything. And it just popped out of the mix. And I'm sitting there, seriously, I've been doing this a long time. This was recent. So I've been doing this almost 30 years, and I was sitting there going, now why didn't I ever think of doing that? Never in my life would I just take like a, a already kind of considered perfect keyboard sound that sounds great, and it's a nice piano and all that stuff, and add heavy compression to it, just make it pop out of there. And I thought about you, Jeff, and I, but I was in this, I had like five songs to do and i had two hours and i was like oh, i'm not gonna text him whatever compliment though thank I you give it to you 
I used it again tonight doing more rehearsals. I'm like, I'm going to try that freaking trick again. And damn it, it's right. Like I, again, it wasn't a fluke. That's so great. Jeff, well, thank you. If I had a hat on, I would take it off and say, hats off to you, my friend. If I had a hat on, I'd let you borrow mine. <laughs> See, that would be a moment we could all share together. So, And also with I don't you. I where we are I at. I like it. No, that's good. Where, wherever we were, I thought that was a good place to interrupt. So, so I keep getting messages about our stream in Chicago, if we're going to repost that or replay it. Yeah. And I'm not telling. Just kidding. Yes. We're going to replay it. So I'm not sure when, but we're going to replay it in its entirety. And then that content, after it gets replayed like once, it's going to get edited and put on the MXU Now website. Yeah. And good news about MXU Now, two things. There's now a free subscription to MXU Now if you want to try it. It's called YouTube. We have a YouTube channel. So go search MXU Now, subscribe. There's a... Maybe like 10 or so by now, by the time this comes out. Yeah. yeah. Freebies on there of the 150 that we've shot. So that's awesome. And I think the plan and is to always keep kind of 10 that are sort of refreshing as we go to just sort of have, you know, the opportunity to get a taste of what MXU now is. Um, and then if you like what you see, go ahead and subscribe to the now uh, website and get all 150 videos and more for your team. And as we continue to create more, you'll continue to get more, which is great. And our newest uh, drip of content for the month of June. Friends don't let friends mix monitors. That's still true. <laughs> but at least there's videos about it now on our Man, website. I, yeah, we don't just have to say it. We've substantiated it. It's crazy. But I think it's super helpful. I mean, it is, you know, is. for most of us, it is something that we have to do. And um, many of us, you know, really will benefit from getting better at it. And um, I hope that some of what we said in those videos is helpful, but so far the response has been great. So who knows? You may even I, see more I, of that over time. I listened to all of those when we were putting them up the other day and, uh, there, there is a few bits of truth in it. There's a whole bunch of lies and stuff, but I mean, there's, there's some truth. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. You. So do you just figure out which ones are truth and lies? It's perfect. We're trying to get everyone fired from their jobs. That's really what's happening. Yeah. Ultimately. Speaking of getting fired from your jobs, how many people are going to get fired after the new Apple Watch app comes out? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, crap. I mean, That's okay. the biggest load of crap I've seen in a long time. Do you guys remember me telling the story about this new campus that we adopted and had all the senior citizens? Yeah. And mm -hmm. Link went over there and gave them two gifts, one wrapped up in a nice elegant box from nordstrom and one in a paper bag yeah but they were both apple watches inside them <laughs> and he was using the analogy of it's what's inside that counts it's not the wrapping which is our style of worship mm -hmm. to try and ease their sensitivity yeah and opinions that, of our worship that's sort of backfired now hasn't it yeah he basically just gave them two db meters Yes. So double check our work, will you, old people? That'll be great. Yeah. I think some of them are the ones that send in the uh, responses to our turn down the music thing. Yeah, probably. It's good. That really is going to suck. Yeah, I don't completely get that. I, I know. You you probably don't care. 
I really kind of don't. I don't have an Apple Watch, and I'm when that when I saw that come out, I was like, I've never been so glad in my life that I haven't bought one of those. You know what the problem? The, the problem is. Go ahead, Lee. Sorry. Well, well, we're probably about to say the same thing. The bad thing is, if it says ninety dB, you've got thirty more minutes of this before you start to have hearing damage. OSHA's recommendation for ninety dB is eight hours. Right. 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 And I think the other thing is that you know the Apple Watch, some of the features that include like the 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 falling feature where you can actually send a warning to a healthcare provider or an ambulance if somebody falls or some of the heart rate monitoring stuff or some of the thing that actually, you know, d- some of the features that do provide true health and wellness benefit, people are going to lump this DB meter into right. that. And so they'll get a warning on their watch from a decibel meter that they'll equate with the same warning they would get if their heart rate went to 195 and they had to get to right. a hospital. And it's just not the same thing. And so I'm hoping that the Apple developers will put in some safeguards to at least acknowledge the fact that this is not a medical emergency in the same way that their heart rate I, stuff would be. I hope they go off when people yell at their kids and they go off in the car wash and they go off standing beside the dryer at home. And, and the lawnmower. Like, right. Just, Right. Yeah, it's just so annoying that they get so much complaints that Apple changes it. Because 90 dB is not it's not an uncommon occurrence. Well, what Apple needs to realize is that the volume that kids are listening to Apple earbuds in their ear canal in is louder than, is louder than what the warnings on their watch is going to give them. Mm-hmm. And that's more dangerous than the actual PA in your church. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Especially like concerts where it's you know justin bieber and it's the people screaming at 114 dv i think we could see the uh european hearing laws for concert venues coming to america if this if this keeps up Mm. stone doesn't care i just yeah yeah i'm just gonna turn it up or i keep feeling the snare in my teeth screw it (laughs) i like it and i don't and i don't have facebook either so i don't care about that so it's all good there's a little list so, of things I don't care about. It's actually getting longer every day. Speaking of people complaining about things. You got anything new over there? Yeah, man. So the, uh, This is kind of cool. Let me pull these up. And just for so, our listeners, just so you guys know, Lee and I have no idea what's about to happen right now because Stone told us at the beginning, hey, I got a couple of more kept turned down stuff so it's been secret to us so we're hearing this for the first yeah. time so so this one these are uh sometimes if we do these together in the same room i'll i'll show you guys the pictures but these are pictures of like prayer request cards oddly enough that's where most of these come from so this was two that were hooked together like they needed extra room to write i guess um and it's from whatever <laughs> Whatever church this is, send me info about, and it's got baptism, serving, becoming follower of Jesus, church membership, you know, just real nice card, and at the bottom, it's prayer requests. And, you know, that's cool. I mean, we we do that at church where people seriously, we have it text in, you know, they can text in, and it's good. You can pray about them as a church. So this one's two hooked together, right? So here's the first one. 
Um, and it's not necessarily about uh, audio. It's just, but it's going to affect us all. So ready? It's kind of short and sweet. It's also, I like to describe this too. It's written with very, this is correct punctuation, nice writing. Um, looks like female writing. I'm not trying to be sexist. It just kind of looks like that because it's not sloppy. Good penmanship matters. It does matter. It's pretty uh, presumptuous of you there, Stone. Yeah, I know. Whatever. I don't care. Um, so here it is. Did I walk into the Indiana Jones ride or the church sanctuary on a Sunday morning? I can't what? tell. What? That's the first sentence. Did I walk into the Indiana Jones ride or the church sanctuary on a Sunday morning? I can't tell. Let's save the smoke machines for Disneyland, not the house of God. Okay, I'm continuing on to the second page. It's three hashtags. The first one, hashtag air is life. The second one, hashtag clean air for worship. The third one, Stop fogging in church. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Fourth hashtag. Dude. You've got to be fogging kidding me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so I'm kind of like, are you kidding me? And this was folded and put in the offering. Like it's got creases right in the center of it. That to me, pretty awesome. Now, here's another one. Separate, separate submission. Guys, no kidding. It's from the same church. It's the same card. And I'm looking at it. This is why I picked this out. It's the same writing. <laughs> it's, no, it's the same person. It's the, it's the same person. It's the same writing. This one, the same card. They have taken and written a line all the way through prayer requests. So it says prayer requests down at the bottom. It's a nice card. Yeah. They've crossed it out. No, this is not a prayer request. So this one might be a candidate for some you know, editing. I'm going to read it as it's written. Oh, some unnecessary censorship? I. That's how I read it. Okay, let's I'll hear let it. you guys be the judge. All Ready? Right. The volume of worship was a little too loud. Not saying we need to whisper, but somewhere between shouting to the Lord and a freight train would work. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Short and sweet. Wow. Did she mean the song shout to the Lord and the song freight train? I think it's somewhere between shouting to the Lord and a freight train. I think that's how she meant it. Wow. Mm. That's pretty good. Obviously, she would prefer clean air. She'd prefer the volume turned down. So she basically has something to say about everything in there. So this is that one's about audio. That one's about prayer. Can I guess the state of the church? Uh, yeah, uh, I'm. Do you pulled. know? Let's see. Okay. Oh. Oh, this is great. This goes with that one I just read. There's another one? No, this goes with the, the uh, like, he wrote a note, the one who sent it in. Oh. And yes, you can guess the state. Um, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see this. So, that, so the prayer request, again, so remember this. 
the volume of worship was a little too loud. Not yeah. saying we need to whisper, but somewhere between shouting to the Lord and a freight train would work. Yeah. He says they logged that service average 88 dBA. Wow. Now guess your state. Okay. I want three get three choices. Okay, three choices. Colorado. Do you want me to tell you as you go or just come on? No, I'll keep going. Okay. Colorado. Washington. California. Jeff, which one do you think it is of those three? Is one of those three correct? I got it, didn't I? One of them is correct. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you got it. One of them is correct. Oh, well, it's it's got to be California. It's Washington. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So, hey. Don't tell me stereotypes aren't real. That's right. Hey, it's not a stereotype if it's always true. So, lady with the good penmanship, get back in your Subaru and drive home and listen to some, uh, I don't know. Whatever your REI CD of the month was. Okay, let me me rephrase rephrase that. (laughs) Okay, it's not a stereotype if it's always true. So, lady with the good penmanship... Get back into your Subaru, drive back to REI, and pick up your CD of Indigo Girls records and go for a hike. <laughs> but take your Birkenstocks off before you go hiking. Yeah. <sighs> that was bad. That was horrible. We're so good. <laughs> I just don't care. It's so good. Gosh. Good job, buddy. <clears throat> So there you go. Golly. For now, for music, we're gonna have to edit this crap. This is horrible. <sighs> no, we're not. This is fine. It's been two months since we've put a podcast out, so we're just cramming it all into one. <laughs> but one thing from this podcast that I'm really excited about is our special guest. So Lee, why don't you set up who we're gonna hear from this month? Jeff's trying to land the plane before we run our company into the pisser. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm not landing the plane. We're not done yet. We still got a whole interview. Yeah, our company's not re- in the dumper, Jeff. It's good. Greg Price is our special guest. Stone, why don't you tell us uh, something about Greg Dude. and how we uh, how we all met this guy? Yeah, so Greg, uh, you'll hear some of this when we interviewed it. We did uh, Jeff and I did this interview uh, a, f- a few weeks ago because Greg is a busy dude, and uh, Lee was had some crappy excuse like mixing a conference or some junk. So. Uh, Jeff and I did this interview, but we all met Greg. Uh, he and if you guys will remember, one of our earlier guests, Brad Maddox. Uh, Greg and Brad are close buddies, and they, they have a company together, and they're both major players in the uh, audio industry. And so they came and visited us over at uh, when we had our all access event in Nashville, and they hung out for a whole day and just hung out. And I mean, it was like stupid late at night. We were all sitting around talking and. It just got real. Very, very cool stuff. Um, Greg, though, man, I, the last 23 years, he's been mixing for Ozzy Osbourne and all the offshoots of that that Ozzy does, like Black Sabbath. And uh, oddly enough, every single person that we interview ever 
on this show has all been the front of house engineer for Van Halen. So he also <laughs> holds like that. It. Yeah, he see holds that that um, badge of honor as well. But Greg, the thing that was amazing about him is that, and I'd never met him before. I'd heard his name and knew him. Immediately, just being around him, you knew that you had a friend for for life because he was just so genuine and so caring about this industry and what we do and how um, we all serve each other. And I mean, he think about the grid he's coming from compared to like our church situations. You can only imagine the pile of bull crap that you deal with being in the Aussie camp, you know, with just the stuff surrounding all that. Um, but he had such great things to say, very complimentary, very much caught the spirit of what we do and why we do this thing. So uh, we thought we couldn't pass up the chance to grab him and, and do a uh, do an interview with him. So let's let's jump into this interview and uh, let you guys hear from Greg about his thoughts on his life. Greg, thanks so much for jumping on to the podcast with us. We... Uh, we all three were just, uh, I guess the best word would be amazed that we got to spend, you know, some time with you last week whenever we were all hanging out and we all came away from there going, now that's a guy we'd like to keep in our sphere. So what better way to bring that, make that happen than have you come in and just spend a few minutes with us on the podcast. So, Absolutely. The coolest thing for me was the fact that you guys came just to kind of see what we were doing and hang yeah. out for a little while. And we thought, okay, it'll be cool. You know, Brad and Greg will be here for an hour or so and we'll get to say hi. And 12 hours later, we're still telling stories yeah. and talking about golf and talking about recording and everything else in between. So it was just so great to connect on a, on a different level than just yeah. what we do. I, I just love getting to know more about who you are. And Let me just say th- thank you. Thank you the collective at mix you for allowing me to to uh, have a have a voice here i really appreciate that immensely that's number one number two uh so often we really want to share and teach at this point i myself personally have said to you before I really want to give back to what has been such a, an amazing journey for myself. We, I was, I had a revelation when I was at your guys' shop and watching you teach, because in my view, that's how you teach. That's how you really get to a person's core to make them understand the process that we all go through. Andrew said it himself. It's a process. We all go through it. And it's not synonymous to any sort of genre. As a matter of fact, I believe that the House of Worship platform is a wonderful place for somebody to start as an engineer. I really do believe that now after watching you two guys work. You know, the club, I grew up in clubs, okay? That's how I learned my craft. Those days are somewhat gone, actually. They still exist. Clubs still exist, but not to the level that you guys are operating at at this point. Right. And so you both said a few things. One of them is serving, and that 
is a really important word. I'd like to expand upon that later in what we talk about. But again, uh, if anybody's listening to me talk, you guys need to go and see a mixed you <laughs> session because you're going to learn so much more with these guys than anybody else I've ever seen. Man, thanks so much. Well, that Dude, means a lot huge. coming from you. So yeah. for our listeners who aren't necessarily fully up to speed on you, Greg, and your history and all that, can you give us just a quick sort of 20,000-foot view of <laughs> kind of – I mean, I know there's a ton of history, but yeah. for those of us who are um, maybe only from the house of worship world and, and that genre, just uh, clue everybody in a little bit on your journey and your story. So let's go back to 1975. Um, I'm in L.A., and I was actually running a furniture store. And my brother comes to town, and he's going to record an album with a band called Pablo Cruz. My brother was a drummer. But if we go back to the beginning, both my brother and I had the garage band in our little neighborhood in San Jose, California. So all of the kids in our neighborhood, and we started this when we were like nine and 10 years old, all of our kids, all the kids in our neighborhood would come to our, our house and that's where we would jam. Literally in the garage. Yes. In the garage. We started out as a garage band. That's and awesome. As you know, in Silicon Valley, a lot of things started in the garage, all on yes. Steve, Steve Jobs and... Mr. Wozniak. So anyway, I'm in LA. I'm working in a furniture store. My brother invites me to the studio. I walk in and I see Val Garay and Greg Ladani behind the console. <laughs> and I just said, what the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> and my brother looks at me and he goes, well, they're recording the record, Greg. They're the engineers and producers that are making our music. And it was from that point forward that I was forever enamored with the process. Uh, Pablo Cruz hired me for the first tour that I ever went on, which was with the Doobie Brothers, because I could drive a truck. <laughs> there it is. I was a cement mixer driver in a past life. Our grandfather owned a building material business. So I knew how to drive a truck. I had been playing the guitar and the piano by then. And so I was a perfect fit to be a roadie and set up the guitars and all that. But as soon as we got off tour, I went straight into the studio with them and made my first record with an engineer called Bill Schnee. And Bill Schnee, Dude. you got to read about this guy. Legend. Total Bill legend. Schnee right. taught me along with Jack Joseph Puig and many other engineers, the right way to engineer. And so I uh, did a couple of years with Bill, and then I learned how to produce because the next Pablo Cruz record was made by Tom Dowd. This is Aretha Franklin. So there's my internship. I interned wow. with Schnee and Dowd. Dowd would call me kid. Uh, I always wanted to use fancy mics until one day he told me that he he had recorded Aretha Franklin's Respect on an RE15. 
<laughs> you know, I looked at an RE15 and I'm going, what, what do you do? Hammer a nail with this? or Right. It wasn't until he told me that and I actually plugged it in and listened to it that it changed my perspective of microphones hmm. forever. That's okay, awesome. So, so what year was this now? This was uh, 70, between 75 and, and 80. By the time wow. 1980, I was recording and producing Pablo Cruz myself at Fantasy Records in, um, in Oakland, California. But along the way, we had the record plant there. And when yeah, I, yeah. so uh, of course, you know, I, I never went back to the furniture store. <laughs> Or the cement truck. Or the cement truck. <laughs> um, I still like driving trucks, but, you know, when I wasn't on tour or working with with uh, Pablo Cruz, I was in the studio working out stuff with my local, my local uh, engineers, Phil Caffel, who is Ralph Caffel's son, who owned Fantasy back then. Um... Phil and I did a, a Bajon Baez record together. So I just continued to be a sponge, and I was the, get, the kid that was asking questions. Bill, on a daily basis, would say, Greg, you got to stop asking questions. You, you've, already, <laughs> you've already ran your allotment for this point. So, so um, in the studio, in the, between 75 and 82, let's say, and then... Uh, Steve Miller called me one day. This was sort of the swing down of Pablo Cruz's career, and I'd already made four albums with them and was kind of getting buggy about the studio and had gone to L.A., had a bunch of studio friends, and they were struggling, I got to tell you, mm. back then. There was there was a peripheration of recording studio engineers, and the studio's... It was hard to find a gig. So Steve yeah. Miller calls me and he goes, Steve, uh, Greg, I want you to come and engineer my show. And as soon as I got on that tour, this was 1983, 84, 85, I never turned back because now I'm engineering, producing all by myself. The band isn't standing behind me going, hey, could you turn my guitar up? Yeah. When the lead singer leaves. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing, but back then mixing was a lot different. We So so you can see I'm steeped in the analog tradition for almost two thirds of my career. So the list went goes on and on. And every artist that I ended up working with from Steve Miller, then I went to work for Glenn Campbell for almost 11 years. And I made numerous uh, uh, records and demos with Glenn in, in studios in Phoenix. Um, so, so here's the thing. I was really a live engineer, but a, the, the, the artists were very ha happy to drag me in the recording studio with them as well. Why is that? Was it because of the relationship they developed with you? Andrew, it's all about the relationship. <laughs> Yeah. I I don't know what it is, but as soon as I would walk into a room with these folks, and it, it could have been Ozzy and Sharon or Glenn 
we just immediately were friends. I don't yeah. know what it is. Uh, I'm not starstruck. I feel that we're all human beings, right? And my whole purpose with all these fellows was to try to serve, as Jeff said, hmm. and protect and honor the lifelong work that these fellows and women have written and songs written, songs produced, songs performed, whatever it is, it's, it, I want to represent them, period, in the best so possible good. way. Awesome. Well, some of that, you know, I'll just, I'll just tell you this. Some of that does come from that mindset. But for you personally, some of that just comes from your personality. I mean, when we met you the other day, there's just a, a warmth and a, a geniality and just a, a, a spirit of like, gosh, I want to be this guy's friend. And so that, you know, that, that just comes through from your personality. So I don't know if that's the way you were raised or if that's just personality or whatever it is, but, but that is a, a component that is so key in all this is this sort of humility and open, open heartedness toward people, which, which shines through. But in terms of the, the relationship and the trust factor and all that, talk a bit about how it goes back to people like Schnee and Dowd in their open-handedness with you in being willing to answer those questions and being willing to sort of satisfy some of your curiosity. It's like if you hadn't been mentored by those guys, who knows how that would have been passed on or not. You know, so there's this, I think we all can look back and go, okay, there was this this point, this person, this moment, mm -hmm. you know, and as you're telling your story, it's like here's these mile markers of um, mentors of yours who were able to take you by the hand and say, okay, this is how we do this, this is how we don't do that, and just kind of shepherd you through the process, which then has allowed you to do that for others, which is great. Well, I, I can't ask for Tom because he's passed away right now at this, this point. But I think to answer your question, both of these fellows understood how, how absorbed I was in, in what we were doing how much I uh, actually respected them, respected their process, wanted to absorb and, and be part of their process. But also, too, I have a great affliction for being, I want to collaborate. I think that hmm. two heads can think better than one. And I have... Yes, you have to be slightly egotistical to produce an engineer, of course. But I want to collaborate with these folks. So from the very beginning, I think that Bill and Tom both realized how much of a student of the, of the art form I, I really was and how, how much I really wanted to adopt and absorb what they did in honor of them. Yeah. yeah. Not to make myself better, but to honor their process and truly understand their process. Uh, I mean, to this day, when it comes to producing, I still, I still use Tom's method of producing a record to this very day as how you manage 
a well-produced record. So I think for them, that was the door that they were, it was easy for them to let, to share with me because I was a very willing collaborative uh, intern, if you will. Man, there's such a great lesson there for all of us, especially younger guys who do want to be kind of in the middle of this, you know, learning and, um, uh, you know, an attitude of, gosh, I, I would love to be in that place someday. How do I get there? Well, you know, part of it is asking great questions, but a lot of it is just, you know, being a person who has that whatever that is, call it curiosity or tenacity or whatever, so that the person who's answering the question or pouring back into you actually wants to do it because they see potential and they see a great attitude and they see somebody who's willing to work hard and do whatever it takes you know, to, to accomplish those goals. So it makes the teaching part that much easier and more fun because you've got somebody who is receiving it so well. But there's an yeah. attitude of that lifelong learning thing that, uh, I mean, I, I honestly, I get in groups of people these days and I wonder where it is sometimes with some generations. And I go, don't you care enough about this craft to want to learn a little more about it and unfold this thing? And, and here we are talking to a veteran of the industry and you have this attitude of you still want to collaborate and you still want to be a lifelong learner and you still want to learn a better way to do better today than yesterday and to do better tomorrow than today. And that is the testament because it's so easy to, and we all revolve in these circles, all these different circles we revolve in. I encounter people every day who are young at what they do. Some are old at what they do, whatever, but all different levels of, They've kind of given up on, on you know the the you know when they used to be inquisitive about how can we make this better, how can we make the craft better, how can we dig into the art side of what we're going to do, how can I work on my relationship side, how can I serve better, all these things, and it ends up being uh, like where did your where did the luster go, and that that's why I like hearing you say this because it's a it's an inspiration and. I, I hear you talking about some of these artists from way back, from when you first started. They were inspiring you. Their, their work, their music, their craft was inspiring you to figure out how your work and craft was going was gonna to go forward. That, that's a very true, Andrew. And it, it also it gave me a window how Steve Miller, for instance, sees and views his, his work, his body of work. Yeah, and this he allowed me in in the door with him to collaborate with him it, with his process. You know, sometimes these processes are not pleasing, but if you have, if you're open, and you do have this lifelong thirst for yeah. always finding. It's so easy. Oh my God, it's so easy because, because we talked about great drum sounds the other day. Okay, great. You hit a great drum sound. Now what? No. It's yeah. a, it's, what are you going to do with it? That's right. It's a lifelong 
So for me, it's just been a joy because this is a lifelong um, endeavor. And like, like in other things in life, I may go to my grave without that personal best mix that I've ever had. And I'm really comfortable with that because, because that's what I live for, is to continue to learn. I learned so much from you guys <laughs> the other day that that in itself. So here we are. I'm in my 43rd year of, of being an engineer, and I still feel like I started yesterday. Oh, that's so See, great. That inspires me. Yeah, that right totally. there. That, I mean, that's an inspiration of just going, man, how, how much of a different perspective does it give us all to go, hold it, look, look at what some of the, I mean, let's make no mistake. You've paved the way for a lot of things I grew up listening to. I mean, give me a break. And for you to still have that attitude of, of where can I improve? It is an inspiration to me. And I hope it's an inspiration to the, those we've got listening to this. Of like, well, especially in today's world, cause it's so easy to just sort of settle into your bag of tricks and settle into your, you know, in the simplest form, settle into your show file and the little holes and the ruts that you've dug for yourself and just call it good. And it's like, man, it's you ask any record producer and it's never finished right it's just you got to the point where it was okay this is great and the deadline is here so we got to let it go but man you could always go back and tweak a mix i would always go gosh can i have another hour can i get another day yeah. can i have another you know but the other part of it too is that you've you've had the opportunity to work with artists who had that attitude too i mean Glenn Campbell, Steve Miller, I mean, Black Sabbath, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame type artists who are always about crafting better songs. And what's the next, what's the next great song? What's the next, not just to make a hit, but to make good art. And that translates into our process too, just as much as, you know, we want to just sort of make sure everything works and we create a good mix. It's like, no, I need to find the, the sheen and the special sauce and the whatever it is that makes this song great that caused the audience to to buy a record or buy a ticket or whatever to come see yeah. the show i gotta i gotta find a way to re recreate that and replicate that through this pa because that you know we're trying to make this art transfer to well, people's live let me, experience let me put it you you're so right jeff but let me put it one more perspective think about my journey I've been most of the time on analog equipment. Now we're into the digital age, okay? Technology never stood still from the day, the first day I walked into the studio and saw Val Garay and Greg Ladani, and it's not going to stop for, for all of us. Yeah. And so that is the essence of all of our viewers to understand that Technology continues to affect what your work does in your workplace, in your life as an engineer. And this is a lifelong journey for me. So I've embraced this as it's part of my life. Music is running through my veins, okay? 
Technology has been my spaceship to help me fly. <laughs> That's wow. so good. I love it. <laughs> it's not going to stop flying. No, we're going to continue to make amazing, amazing strides in how we produce music. So, with that in mind, those mixes that I did for Black Sabbath four years ago for their album, well, I like to revisit them with new technology, new yeah. things that uh, I remember I had just finished the album and Pooch came out with mush, infected mushroom, which I did not have. It's like, let's pull the mix back out. <coughs> You know, I want to hear Infected Mushroom on this channel right here. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> it's that process that continues to move. Now, if you're a young fellow and or man or woman and you, you hit on something that really resonates with you, great. That is fantastic because that's what this process is about. But don't forget that the age of your mix... It's not going to age very well. It's, sh its shelf life is going to need to be revisited somewhere down the line because that is your legacy as a human being and as an engineer. You know, Greg, you everything you say is talking about being an engineer as more of the role of a producer, of of a sound, of a thing, of a, a of a art of the culture like you you have assimilated the producer and the and the audio engineer into one role better than just about anybody i can think of because just from the way you talk about it you we can blame bill, bill and tom for that yeah <laughs> but you 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 found out early on that if you sit behind a desk and you're not manipulating faders and moving uh, knobs and and all that you are producing a sound and I th I think that's worth noting because that's that's where the I mean let's be honest that's where the real art comes in when you get into the producing side so Andrew you've really hit on the on the core of this thing so both both Tom and Bill taught me that it doesn't matter what processing, what mics, what this, if the song isn't arranged right, if it doesn't have certain air in certain places, it's not, you can't, you can't make it exciting. So no, you have to get out from behind the chair and go into the room and get with the band. You got to get with the band because they're the ones, they're the ones that are, that are giving us the, the train to ride on. And so your feedback matters. I got a, just a great analogy. I've been mixing crazy train for 23 years. How do you think I've been able to make crazy train exciting at an Ozzy Osbourne show for 23 years? I get with Ozzy. I get with Zach Wilde. We collaborate and we go, Hey, in this particular, at the end of this course, we want to have, I want to have a breakdown. The lights are going to shine up on you. We're going to have nothing and you're going to start a clap thing to get the audience 
excited about this break in Crazy Train. We all know Crazy Train. Now, how right. do we change the arrangement to make it more exciting on the next year and the next year and the next year and the year after that? 23 years of Crazy Train, it has to have something new in it that really tells that fan whether it's a sermon on Sunday or an Aussie show, I'm coming back to see this again because that changed my life. That's what we're looking for. That is so Bro, great. That is well, exactly what we're looking for. Because we tell, we tell guys all the time, it's like, okay, your job is as much of a musician as a technician. It's not enough just to make sure it all works and push the faders up and make sure nothing breaks. Man, if you're not treating the console like it's your instrument and you're a part of the band, then you're missing it. And a huge piece of that is involvement with the band in how, you, how you're going to craft these moments together. That's exactly right, Jeff. Exactly right. So I don't care what it is I'm doing. I want to be with the artists and working on the arrangement. I really do. This is why one thing I always say to a, a, a new engineer is, do you play an instrument? Because if you don't play an instrument, and you don't have to be good at it, but you do need to understand the structure of a song and how you can be able to develop a, the language of a musician to talk to them in the structure of the song and also in the key of the song. Because so often, when I was in the recording studio or live, we changed the key. Some, some guitar players hate this because now you're turning their guitar into something else. But as soon as the key changes, something special happens. And then right. they, come, they come back and they go, oh, my God. We, yeah. we never thought about this. You know where I learned this from? I was with Val one day. Gray and they had Art Kelm, who's an, a legendary studio technician, had built a box for Don Henley so that he could comp vocals with. And I go, Why do you do that? And well, well, they've recorded this song in four different keys. Don actually sang this song four different keys so that they could find the right key that really was home run for this song. That's unbelievable. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Whoa. That is everything. So let's circle back to our our beginning our beginning friends who want to become engineer producers. And you're really true about this, Andrew. We're not just engineers. We're producers. <laughs> That's what we do. We're record producers. I don't care if you're in the church or in the arena, or you're in the club, you're making a record. Oh. That's what the digital age has brought us to. Boom. We talked about, about how you keep it fresh. So let's learn how to play an instrument. Because <laughs> that's going to be the language you're going to need to talk to whatever environment you're in, to the guitar player and say, hey, can we try a different key here? Or what do you think about in after eight bars, you're going to just stop playing? 
Yeah, how would you like to walk up to a guitar player and tell them to stop playing? Yeah. If you don't come to them with this, I'm on. The, I'm in this with you. We're riding. We're pushing yeah. the same cart. But it's coming to the table prepared. Let's push together. Yeah, we're coming to the table prepared. We're going to produce this together. I'm going to give you some feedback. I'm going to give you some input. I'm going to stay out here and and be your biggest fan. I'm going to be your sounding board. I'm going to talk with you. I'm going to be in the trench with you. Bro, the relational side of this, of being a mixer, a producer, engineer, man, you have, you have, uh, you've inspired us all, man. Holy cow. One more uh, epiphany that I had. Go. Well, as music, progresses into the genre it is it is in uh, we do hear a lot of manufactured music that's people that have made songs in the box either with uh, mechanical drums they've crafted their music completely computerized right right mm-hmm. well guess what on Sunday you don't have any of that you got real life human beings playing real life music. And if that doesn't hit your soul, I don't know what does. Take that to the bank guys for real. That's good. Greg, this is, uh, the stuff you've laid out here is literally solid gold. Like, I mean, it's gold. Like we need to package it and sell it. It's solid gold. Well, for real. I'm just one guy having a hell of a time. That's all. Man, we are, it is a complete privilege that uh, we've been able to like get in the same sphere. And we, what we were talking yesterday on the phone and you are one of those people that we are, uh, are privileged to be in, in a sphere with because the inspiration and, and just uh, the gas you still put on the pedal is is just second to none it's awesome Uh, man seriously thanks for spending some time with us today this is uh i can't wait to uh put this out people can uh can hear it this is awesome guys always a pleasure it's been so great thanks so much greg so one thing that struck me about greg when we met him in person is andrew what you said in his uh intro and setup is just how great of a guy he is. So here's my question. You know, a lot of people who listen to our stuff and who are in church world will hear, okay, here's a front of house guy for Ozzy Osbourne. And he doesn't have any credibility because of the artist he works with. Or I'm going to make certain assumptions because of the artist he works with. Well, coming from the guy who mixed for Chris Tomlin for almost 10 years, there's this interesting tension within me to go, okay, I love the fact that the front of house guy from Chris Tomlin and the front of house guy for Ozzy Osbourne can learn from each other and respect each other and love the fact that each other can kind of give great things to the industry. So I don't know. It's just, I think we need to say something to our tribe about just sort of the this thing about secular, sacred, it's all about the person. It's not about necessarily the, 
the material. Does that make yeah, sense? You know, it does. Yeah, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's something that you you bring up, and the thing that's very very interesting about this little MXU trip that we've been on for a few years now is that the relational side of all of this, the guests we talk with, the people we encounter, the people like Grace who are on, who was on here a few episodes ago, like uh, Scoville who's now sitting in our in our live room this year for those events like all of these guys like you get the technical all these guys and girls you get the technical side away from it and it's about how you relate to these people as a person and you start realizing what they bring to the table their job is just a job it's just a gig it's just a, a whatever but man the depth they're showing as just people and humans it's kind of blowing me away and there is a there is a there is way more respect for I know from the people we're encountering. There's way more respect for what we do, and I say we as the tribe, not just us. There's way more respect given for the stuff we're involved in than I think we all thought. But I think part of my point is that the church has so much to learn from the people that we've interacted with. From the secular world. And, you know, whether it's a local union steward or a local crew at a theater that isn't in the church, but there's this brotherhood of, you know, stagehands or, you know, a crew from a tour. I mean, there's this, there's this kindred kind of spirit that happens that should be most healthy in the church that we don't always see in the church. And so it's it's almost right. like we need to take a page out of their playbook and get better at how we do things in the church yeah. because in our green rooms, in our backstages, in our front of house areas, we get so many things wrong and we don't even, you know, it's we don't even have the the experience or the you know, the ability or whatever to even have an opinion, much less be great. So they're so supportive to what we do. Uh, it makes me wonder. You, you, do you guys ever feel a competitive nature at churches and churches? Like we're we're very judgmental. Like yeah, very it's like very judgmental of like oh well he could da da da. I have not sensed that from these guys, Greg, Brad, all of these guys from Pooch. Some of the fir- Scoville, the first one that we had on here. Have you guys ever felt that from them? It's always no embrace the brotherhood and yeah. we should all work together and let's share information. And when I was younger coming up, I never thought th- I would look at these iconic figures and be like, well, they probably just think I'm a total creep because I don't understand and I don't have any good. I have never done a real gig yet and I don't know how this stuff works and all this junk. It, yeah. That could not be farther from the truth. I think Christians are actually more critical of each other than non-Christians are of Christians. 100%. So, like, this is, it's not related, but related. Like this whole uh, Preachers and Sneakers. Have you guys hmm. seen this? Yeah. So there's an Instagram account calling out celebrity pastors and their sneakers. Right. And if you look at the comments, they're just riddled with people being really critical of yeah. the guys wearing these expensive shoes. But they're all other pastors and Christians that are upset about it. Right. Like non-Christians don't care. 
they literally don't care. No. It's the same thing. Like, we've seen this in certain cities, two in particular, where there are the most churches, <laughs> Atlanta and Dallas, I'm calling you out. Yeah. The churches there are so critical of each other, of us, of any type of, you know, of anything, really. It's like, it's super strange. I don't like it. Be better, people. Yeah, it's it really does like i when i get done talking to those guys in and and just the other day uh i was able to stay uh after the chicago event stay in town for a few days we had some interviews to do and stuff like that and i stayed an extra day and hung out with brad maddox um at a show he's out mixing for florence and the machine right now went out hung out the most hospitable dude you can even imagine he's like he's the man i mean this is like this is a huge show, tons of people, outdoor event. Um, you know, he's got a lot going, and he was the most uh, amazing host you can think of. And he doesn't like making sure that I could park backstage with the buses and standing there when I drove in to like host me. And I'm like, dude, don't you have a job to do? Like, or a you know dressing room to sit in or whatever. Totally the opposite. During the mix, uh, I mean, he's he's in it, and this is a lot of crap going on. He's got a lot of inputs, a big, big show, and he's literally very concerned about being able to pull up things that I want to hear off of his mix and hand me headphones the whole night. And I'm just like, what the heck, dude? Yeah, that's that, so cool. How many times are we around other people where they act like that? They don't. They act like, dude, you need to not bother me because I'm in the zone. He's just like, are you – what do you hear? He said that one time and I'm like, what? Like, what are you hearing anything? Like, you know, anything you're noticing that I'm not, I'm just going, wow, dude, that's so you cool. Like the most that's unbelievable. Yeah. That to me. And that's the thing we got even from Greg They're They're just, and all the guys we're talking about, they're so eager to share information and to gather information and to learn. You find that you have these kindred spirits when you, in the, the last possible place you'd look pretty cool that's awesome so as you listen to that one remember uh, it's been a little while since we've uh, put a podcast out we've got two more in the can ready to go and uh it's just kind of been a busy season for us as as i'm sure most of you so you'll be getting a few more here in short order from us um one thing we want to note um jeff kind of runs the coaching component of what we do is MXU. And we just want to make sure, not trying to put a big commercial out, but just make sure if you're out there and you think that's something you'd be interested in, um, the guys who go through the coaching thing with us, it's it's a pretty cool deal. And we're in between semesters. Uh, we kind of try to follow the regular school schedule. So starting like late August, there'll be another coaching group coming up. But you can get on our website and sign up anytime. And if you're, I specifically talk to you, if you're a leader of a team, um, I did this with our own team here at Church on the Move, and we kind of did it as just like a beta test just to run through some of the content, and it was fantastic. The discussion and the topics and some of the stuff we did um, was really great, and it was a very meaningful few months when we were going through that. It's just something you might consider. Um Obviously, it's great if you're a lone wolf, but particularly if you are a leader of teams and you've got a lot going on, 
there's a lot of great content you can jump into here that's already been figured out and it speaks to us. So there you have it. Um, got another live event coming up in Orlando. Yeah, September 16th. Can't, yeah. can't wait. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse land. Come on. Uh, and that'll be... So that's our second time there. So we're hoping to build off of being there last year. That is same week as WFX. So if you're headed to that, and if that's something you're a part of, we'll be there the Monday of that week. So it's very convenient. Get there Sunday late after you mix all day and come hang out with us and Robert Scoville. All that. That's it, boys, right? I think that's it. I think so. Yeah. Always fun to hang out with you guys. Thanks for your wisdom and can't wait to do it again. Yeah. Rock on, guys. So anything... Anything you want to keep up with, it makes you, it makes you now, whatever. You just want to send us a line, whatever. You can get to all that stuff at our website, mxu.rocks. That's where our stuff lives. So check it out. Till next time, peace out. See you, boys. Bye.